I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you early on a Saturday afternoon after one of the craziest finishes to a basketball game any of us has ever seen. And uh, it's all that much better that it went the Hawkeyes way. A 112-106 win over Michigan State in overtime uh, after the craziest 90 seconds. A season-changing 90 seconds for the Iowa Hawkeyes at the end of regulation. Erasing a 13-point deficit hitting five threes, uh, while Michigan State was good from the free throw line. I mean, Michigan State didn't hand this to Iowa. They didn't turn the ball over a bunch or miss a bunch of free throws. Iowa just caught fire late, did everything they needed to do, and found a way to to tie the game and then took care of business in overtime and uh, you know not just avoided uh, what would have been a, a really rough loss, uh, but now kind of, again, it feels like a season-changing 90 seconds there. Obviously, uh, there's a lot to, to happen from there, but, man, you feel a heck of a lot better right now than, than you probably expected to uh, about 30 minutes ago. The fans who left early or who turned off the TV... <laughs> I feel bad for you. Um, I feel bad that you didn't see that. I'll be honest. I had mentally mostly checked out, but I still had the game on TV. And, uh, you know, I was scrolling on my phone and and stuff like that. Kind of look up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Another three. Okay. And uh, and somehow somehow that happened. Somehow that just happened. Um, You know, before we go through the stats and things, it feels like there's like two games that happened here, right? Like like pre stare down and post stare down, uh, this game, um, and so you know to talk about this game as a whole, we'll certainly find time to do that. But let's be honest, the talker of this game happened in the, that last ninety seconds, and and so let's go through that before we go through kind of any stats or uh, talk about kind of the weirdest thing I've ever seen a coach do on a basketball floor, <laughs> and, and some of those things. Uh, with a minute and 34 to go, Malik Hall made a second free throw to put Michigan State up 91-78, to 78, a 13-point game at that point, and it uh, it certainly felt over. Peyton Sanford comes down hits a three. Iowa gets a quick foul on Hogard, who makes two free throws. So 90 uh, so after the three ninety one eighty one, Iowa down by ten. The two free throws ninety three eighty one back down by twelve. Chris Murray comes down, makes a quick layup, and uh, and gets the foul. And so he makes the free throw ninety three eighty four back down nine. Then you've got a Tony Perkins steal. He misses a three. Uh, that's when Philip Bracha got his, I believe, fifth foul and fouled out of the game. And uh, all of a sudden now. Michigan State's back up 11 with a minute five to go after two Jaden Aikens free throws. Connor McCaffrey misses a three. Peyton Sanford gets the rebound and gets fouled. He makes two free throws. 95-86, 55 seconds to go. Iowa down nine. Quick foul. Jaden Aikens misses one, makes one. So now Michigan State up 10 with 48 seconds to go. Come down. Connor McCaffrey hits a three. 
96-89, Iowa down seven. Then Malik Hall turns it over. Chris Murray misses. Patrick McCaffrey gets the offensive rebound right back to Chris Murray, who hits a three, and now all of a sudden it's a four-point game with 30 seconds to go. Quick foul on Tony Perkins. Hogard makes two free throws, back up to a six-point lead. 20 seconds to go. Patrick McCaffrey hits a three. 98-95, down by three. <laughs> I can't believe this happened. A.J. Hogard makes a couple of free throws, pushes the lead back up to uh, to, to five. It's 195 with 19 seconds to go. Connor McCaffrey hits a three. A wild three, a desperation three, a great three that Connor McCaffrey hit with 10 seconds to go. Quick foul. And with a chance to put the game away, A.J. Hogard finally misses a free throw, the second one of two after making one and putting Michigan State up 101 to 98. Misses that second one. Uh, no timeout, no foul. Peyton Sanford comes down and uh, does what he was unable to do in East Lansing and hits the uh, big three at the end of the game. That was the tying three. And then I would just play better in overtime, even without Philip Robracha. Um, and even though Michigan State was hot all game long, uh, Iowa found a way to, to get that win. That's an incredible, incredible sequence of events. I can't believe that actually happened. Um, there were a couple of stats I saw that I wanted to bring up. Obviously, 23 points for the Hawkeyes in the last 90 seconds. 23 points, including uh, five threes and then that three-point play. Um, I think that's right. Or is it, would it be four threes? Anyway, no, five threes. Yeah, anyway. I'm, I was told there'd be no math. 23 points in the last minute 30 to erase that 13-point deficit. So, I mean, that even tells you Michigan State scored 10 points in the last 90 seconds and uh, and still gave up 13, a 13-point 13 lead. Michigan State had, according to the, uh, the, the win probability thing on ESPN, with a minute and a half to go, with that 90 seconds to go, Michigan State had a 99.7% win chance. That's according to Brian Finley on Twitter. 99.7 with 90 seconds to go. That was down to 92% with 20 seconds to go. This is a game that Michigan State lost. Amazing. Um, <laughs> it doesn't cover up some of the issues that we saw most of the day. I guess so, at least, at least uh, temporarily. All right, so let's look at the rest of the game and some of the stats and, and all of that kind of stuff. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, looking at the Iowa box score, Chris Murray led all led uh, Iowa, I should say, in scoring with 26 points. Uh, he ended up 8 of 19 from the field, 2 of 8 from the three-point line, uh, 8 rebounds, 4 assists for Chris, who, you know, played, um, played again, it's it's so hard now that Iowa won. It was like you were going to come in with all this, uh, all this fire, all this heat uh, about how bad Iowa played. They certainly played poor defensively uh, all day long. Um, did enough at the end when when it really mattered the most, but 
Did not play a good defensive game. Iowa didn't, but they did play well offensively. So Chris Murray, 26 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Tony Perkins with 24 points. And when Tony Perkins is playing well, this team is really, really hard to beat. He had a couple of huge plays late. Uh, the the follow-ups in overtime, a couple of really, really big baskets. He was four or five from three-point land. I don't think he'd ever hit three threes in a game before, so he hit four today. That was fantastic. Nine rebounds, six assists, nine of 12 from the floor. Tony Perkins is the player of the game here. Peyton Sanford with 22 points, six of 10 from three, six threes from Peyton Sanford, seven of 14 from the floor. He also had five rebounds and an assist, and obviously the the huge three uh, late in the game. And, and Peyton always kind of is there uh, in the right place at the right time with those rebounds, and he's he's a really smart, really fun player. Philip Abracha had 18 points when he fouled out, six of nine from the floor, three rebounds, five assists. Uh, he got off to a really hot start. And uh, they, they didn't utilize him in the second half as well, as much as I think we all would have hoped that they would. Um, it felt like he had the advantage on the block. And uh, for whatever reason, Iowa went away from that, maybe partially because he was in foul trouble. Uh, but 18 for Peyton Sanford. Uh, or Philip Robracha, rather. Aaron Eulis had five points, two of four from the floor, a couple of assists. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey was seven points, one of four from three, three of seven from the field. He had four rebounds and an assist. And then uh, Josh Dix came in, shot one three, and uh, and did not hit it. Uh, that's your scoring, uh, but it, it gets it's bad. The other it's bad when you look at the other side because defensively Iowa was was not good. Walker had thirty one points on eleven of fifteen. Uh, shooting Tyson Walker for Michigan State. Uh, you had Joey Hauser with 18 points. You had Jaden Nakins with 21 points. You had Hogard with 15 points. You had Malik Hall with 16 points. I mean, Michigan State had five players score 15 or more. That's incredible. They shot 73.3% from three-point land on the day. Um, and I feel like... It, it was, and I know it was much higher than that at one point. I mean, Michigan State shot lights out, and a, a lot of that uh, was because they were shooting well. They were hitting shots at the end of shot clocks. They were kind of making some desperation things, but uh, a lot of it was on Iowa's defense, and and Iowa just did not play good defense. They were uh, slow to rotate. It was sloppy. Uh, they they looked uninterested in playing defense for a lot of that game. It was 42-42 at halftime. I think uh, it was 65-61 or 63-61, uh, the game in Michigan State uh, at finals. I mean, they, we basically almost doubled that scoring output here in Iowa City. Part of, part of that was because Iowa was playing better and, and shooting well at home with uh, the Nike balls and all of that stuff, uh, everything that we've talked about since those road losses. Uh, but part of that was Iowa did not play a good defense, and, uh, and Michigan State was able to, you know, I think top their their season high by 17 or 18 points, 106 uh, total points for Michigan State. They shot almost 60% from the field for the game, 60%, 32 of 54, and again, almost 75% from three. Iowa shot just over 50% from the floor, uh, just under 50% from three. Um, Iowa made more threes than Michigan State attempted. 17 made three, 17 of 36 for Iowa, 11 of 15 uh, for Michigan State. Michigan State made more free throws than Iowa attempted, 31 of 36 at the line, Iowa 19 of 25 at the line. Again, that's one of the more remarkable things about this comeback was Michigan State didn't piss it down their leg at the free throw line like you would expect would have to have happened 
uh, for a team to give up that kind of a lead in that short of amount of time. Uh, but it didn't happen. I out-rebounded Michigan State 34-30. to 15 offensive rebounds for the Hawkeyes. That was huge. Um, just four for Michigan State. So that was really, really big. 25 uh, assists for Iowa on 38 made baskets. That's a good uh, number. 10 steals for Iowa. Uh, leading to to total turnovers of 15 for Michigan State, just nine for Iowa. That's a little high for Iowa, but 15 is a good number to create, although I think nine of of those might have been in the first half. Uh, But 10 steals for the Hawkeyes, and uh, just an incredible incredible game. Uh, Let's talk about what it means moving forward and uh, what it looks like now for the Hawkeyes. All right, so a big win, obviously, to uh, to, to protect home court. Uh, more than anything, maybe to avoid a, a loss, um, avoid a third straight loss, and avoid the narrative that uh, Iowa is not playing well You know when it matters the most. And there's going to be some of that narrative around because there's some truth to it. Uh, but ultimately, pulling this out and getting this win at least makes you protect home court. It probably secures Iowa's position as an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. Um, Iowa was flirting with bubble talk, I think, if they lose this game, but probably, I mean, I'm definitely still on the right side of the bubble. And, you know, you probably beat Nebraska, win one game at the Big Ten tournament, and you feel okay to be in an eight seed or a nine seed. But uh, with this win, now you can kind of look back again and say, hey, if you play well against Indiana uh, on Tuesday, you beat Nebraska, maybe you uh, get a couple of wins in the Big Ten tournament, and you can play yourself back up to that six line. Uh, but I think Iowa now certainly uh, a an NCAA tournament team, so that means something. Ten and eight in the Big Ten gives you at least a 500 record, no matter what in the Big Ten. And uh, it's you know going to be interesting. The, the Big Ten standings are almost uh, pointless to look at right now because everybody is so bunched up in that middle. I mean, Iowa went from you know a top four seed even after their loss to like the eight. 8-9 game uh, just based on how other teams, uh, how other results were going. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be more results throughout this week, this weekend. Uh, and, you know, so where does that, where does that now put Iowa? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So that puts Iowa 7th in the Big Ten standings right now, alone in 7th place. But uh, at 10-8, and eight, half a game back from Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan, who are all at 10-7. and seven. Uh, what a couple of games back from Northwestern, or a game and a half back from Northwestern, and uh, now one full game up on Michigan State, Rutgers, um, Wisconsin, a game back from there. So yeah, these Big Ten standings, it's just such a flux right now. You really just need to win, and it's kind of how I feel about the net ratings and the uh, the Q one wins and, and losses. Iowa lost two Q one wins. Uh, overnight when when Illinois and Seton Hall both dropped out of uh, the rankings needed to qualify those for Q1 wins. And so that stuff just fluxes so much, fluctuates so much that, uh, you know, at this point, this is going to be different by the time you would listen to this podcast probably. And so, uh, you know, I think just win, baby. Just just win. There's, there's only so much you can take care of, uh, you can take advantage of. Just go ahead and win these games. Obviously, Tuesday night at Indiana, that's a tall task. That was a tough win for Iowa. Uh, really kind of sparked the, the this whole run, really kind of saved the season in that win at home. Um a similar feel other than, you know, it wasn't right at the end of the game, but to come back from, you know, more than a 20-point deficit the way Iowa did against Indiana. 
Uh, you go to Indiana, you, you don't expect to win that game, I don't think. Obviously, you hope to play well and uh, not embarrass yourself, but you don't really expect to, to win that game. Uh, and then you come home against Nebraska, a tough Nebraska team against Fred Hoiberg. Um, you know, you, you got you just have to win that game. You have to win that game. We'll see where you fall in the Big Ten standings and uh, the, the double-bye competition and uh, then go win a couple of games at the Big Ten tournament and, uh, and try to up your seed and um, avoid some of those tough matchups in Game 2 if you make it there of the NCAA tournament. Before I get out of here, I do want to mention a couple of other things. I kind of forgot to talk about the Fran stare-down. Uh, Fran got that T, um, which, you know, it, it was a bad time to get a technical, or at least it felt like it. Like, again, this has all just changed so much in those final 90 seconds. Uh, you know, you're ready to kill Fran. That, that is a bad T. That's a bad time to get a technical when you're down by 10 with like two minutes left. Like, that, that's not the time to do that. You're not going to change anything. And then it was just a really weird look to have him to call a timeout and then just go stare at the ref. This weird, like, stare down, like, bully stare down. It was like, I defend Fran a lot. I love Fran. I even like it when he gets fiery, and I, you know, I even defend him when uh, he, you know, gets tossed out of games. But that was just indefensible. It was, a, it was weird. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just weird. It was a weird look. Now, it ended up sparking the team, apparently, and, and they, they went on, you know, one of the greatest comebacks we've ever seen. So, <laughs> I guess more power to Fran, man. Uh, but it added another uh, kind of strange gift to his repertoire. It added another bullet to those who, uh, who don't like Fran and, and think his antics are childish or overplayed or, you know, what, bad for the game or, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. Obviously, I don't believe any of that. Um, but that was a weird look, and it was going to be the look of this game. It was going to be uh, the laughing stock of the day that, that Iowa lost at home to Michigan State, uh, couldn't play defense, and Fran McCaffrey stared down a ref. Instead, the story is that Iowa had one of the greatest comebacks uh, in, in Hawkeye history and, uh, <laughs> and improves the 10-8 and eight in the Big Ten, and it's going to be uh, a fun couple of days remembering that and looking back on that a big 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 day inside carver hawkeye arena tomorrow espn game day on the scene i believe that airs from 10 to 11 that's going to be a lot of fun and then iowa indiana number six versus number two a revenge game for the hawkeyes Indiana's already won the Big Ten thanks to Iowa's loss to Maryland earlier this week, but uh, that doesn't mean there's nothing on the line here. I don't know that Iowa can get to the two seed. I haven't looked at the tiebreakers between Iowa and Maryland, uh, but even if they can't, some revenge here, uh, some confidence going into uh, you know uh, the the Big Ten tournament, all of that kind of stuff uh, would be helpful for this Hawkeye women's team. Let's just go win Caitlin Clark Player of the Year. Go beat a top two Indiana team and uh, and go into the the Big Ten tournament next week uh, with a head of steam, right? It's going to be a sold out crowd inside Carver Hawkeye again. Uh, I hope game. I know game day is going to look good there. I know Hawkeye fans are going to come out loud and proud for that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and a big weekend for the Hawkeyes. And it got off to a good start. Also, yeah, here let me look. Speaking of the big weekend for the Hawkeyes, the Iowa baseball team was uh, was smoking number one LSU. The last I saw, um, it was uh, Brody Brecht just on the mound throwing heat, 101 on the gun, struck out the side after loading the bases in the first inning. Um, I don't know if he's going to play football again, man. I don't know if he should, to be honest. Uh, he's an incredible baseball. He's got a half a billion dollar arm. Um, 
but we need him at wide receiver because we didn't pick anybody else up out of the uh, the transfer portal. So uh, I'm just trying to find this Iowa baseball score right here. Uh, you know, it's early to get involved in baseball, but Iowa had a 3-0 start to the season. Brody Brecht had, you know, five perfect innings last weekend, and uh, the Hawkeyes have looked good so far. And let's see, they were up 7-2 to after four um, for the Hawkeyes. So go Hawkeye baseball, go Hawkeye women, go Hawkeyes. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this one. What a day. What a game. Thank you. Go Hawks. <laughs>